Hey everyone, today we are diving into how to take your power back and specifically, you know, what I wish I knew before I started my healing journey because it would have saved me like two decades of suffering. But I do believe that gut healing truly is a journey and that everything happens for a reason and that I had to go through this journey this long journey on my own for the most part so that I could learn and grow and be able to share this knowledge to support you on your journey. So ultimately, I'm grateful that I did go through it. Um, and we're going to dive into a bit of my story today, but also how to kind of shift your mindset and what to expect on your healing journey. And I really want to, you know, the whole reason I put the Fix Your Gut for Good membership together is because I wanted to empower people to be able to take their power back. What does that mean? Well, it means that we don't want to put all of our eggs in one basket, so to speak, and just kind of rely on the doctor to fix us, right? Very much in our Western society, it's, you know, fix me, just fix me, tell me what to do and fix me. That is the way in which we grow up. And unfortunately, that's not always helpful, especially for chronic conditions that the medical system tends to not be able to help with. Obviously, there are times when you need the doctor to fix you if it's a life-threatening situation. But when it comes to managing chronic conditions, we often need to shift our mindset away from fix me um, externally, you know, putting all of your faith in your practitioner or your doctor to how can I heal myself? Because it very much is not just, you know, solely focused on managing symptoms and focusing it on, for example, your gut health, but it's also about your lifestyle and other aspects of healing. And we're going to dive into that today as well, um, because in our Western society, we focus too much on, you know, we segregate the body, right? So if you have a stomach issue, we're going to take this pill. If you have a headache, you're going to take this pill. But what we do when it comes to Eastern medicine and, and managing chronic conditions is very much more of a holistic, whole person approach. We have to also, at the same time as working on your gut, for example, we have to take a look at your sleep, at your stress levels, at your mindset and your mental health and your daily routines and are you moving your body. There's so many other factors that need to be considered and things that need to be worked on. And this is one of the reasons that people often struggle with um, healing these chronic issues because it's a lot to do, right? And I get it, especially if you're trying to do it on your own. First of all, there's way too much information out there. It's very overwhelming. How do you know what's accurate or who to trust? And secondly, it's just a lot. You're trying to you know, make all of these changes in your life at the same time. And life happens and you're stressed and you've got a lot going on. And it can be very overwhelming feeling like you know what you should be doing. You know, I should be exercising more. I should be meditating. I should be sleeping more. But how can I possibly do that when I have all these responsibilities and, you know, things that I have to get done in any given day? So that's where having the support of a community of um, a professional like myself, but also people on your level that get what you're going through and connect with you and understand, you know, how much of a struggle it is to make these changes. And that's the main reason that I had um, added in the Fix Your Gut Collective to uh, what was originally just a course. And I added the collective and then I realized this needs to be a membership because 
gut healing is a journey. It does take time and you need and deserve the support of this community to actually get to your goal of having optimal health. And because I didn't have that support, you know, I know just how hard it is when your doctor tells you there's nothing wrong and they've done all the tests and everything comes back, quote unquote, normal when your family doesn't get it. And they're, you know, pressuring you to eat foods that they're eating that, you know, are going to trigger symptoms when you are canceling plans with your friends because you're like not feeling good enough or you're worried that you're going to have a stomach upset when you're out on your trip or something, right? So it's, we realize that your gut issues are impacting your life. And when you have a support system that gets it, it makes it that much easier to not feel alone and to also get motivated and inspired to take the steps necessary on your healing journey. So when we talk about taking your power back, it really starts with getting empowered with the knowledge that you need to heal yourself. So first we do have to have that mindset shift of, okay, you know, my doctor is important, but ultimately I have to heal myself. Even if you're working with a practitioner like myself, we give you the guidance and the tools you need, but ultimately it's up to you to apply those tools and to build your new healthy lifestyle, right? And we can support you as much as we can, but if you're only seeing your practitioner, you know, maybe once a month, it's going to be very difficult in the in-between, especially when life happens. So first of all, we have to have that mindset shift and understand, you know, for a lot of us, this has to be, we have to get to the end of our rope, basically. We have to hit this turning point of, okay, clearly, you know, my doctor can't help me. Clearly doing this on my own isn't working. I need to shift my mindset and figure out how I can heal myself. And usually that comes for most people when they've really come to the end of their rope. And oftentimes that's the point when we feel like giving up, right? But I really wanted to put this episode together. And one of the reasons I put the membership together is to give you hope that you can heal and that you can have optimal health and truly get your life back. And so the next step in taking your power back is getting empowered with the knowledge you need to heal yourself. So this is not saying that you're doing it on your own, but rather I'm giving you the knowledge and the resources for you to understand, first of all, how your body works. Because unfortunately, in our uh, education system, we don't really learn the ins and outs of how our body works and why we get certain symptoms. And secondly, um, the steps that you can take to heal your gut and what to expect on that healing journey. And this is a, the biggest part of taking your power back because you really have to understand how your body works, why you have these symptoms or why you've developed this illness in the first place, what the root causes are, and then also understand that there's a connection between your gut and your brain. So how your mindset, your mental health, um, and your nervous system plays a role. And then you have to understand the actual steps that you need to implement to heal, as well as how can I take my current lifestyle and start to make small changes in order to build a lifestyle that supports my gut healing. And finally, you get empowered by understanding that Optimal health doesn't come from symptom management, which is much of what we do in Western culture, such as, you know, have a stomach ache, go to the drugstore, get some Pepto, get some Tums. But rather, 
true healing and optimal health comes from healing the root causes of what made you sick in the first place. So back to kind of a bit of my healing journey. I wish I had known that, you know, I wish I had taken my power back sooner and not had to suffer as long as I did because I'm sure many of you can relate. Um, you've probably, you know, seen your doctor and had ruled out anything serious with lots of tests and imaging. You've probably been referred to a specialist and the specialist, the gastroenterologist, probably told you that you have IBS and didn't give you much guidance there. Um, I also know people that have seen a gastroenterologist and been told that they have to avoid trigger foods. So you're thinking, what? So I have to avoid them the rest of my life, which the answer is no, you don't if you heal your gut. And secondly, I've had people tell me that this gastroenterologist told them to try something like the low FODMAP diet, which I do use with clients and can be very helpful, but it's a very specific kind of complicated diet and they can't expect you to just go off and do that on your own. So you do need guidance for that. And unfortunately, a lot of people, when they're trying to do these diets on their own, um, they end up either being way too restrictive. So now you're deficient in nutrients and you become a little obsessed and it affects your mental health. And on secondly, they end up doing it for too long. And these are supposed to be a temporary healing tool as part of your healing journey and not, you know, you're not supposed to stay on it for years and years, basically, because if you do, that actually can make your gut worse. And we won't dive into too much of that today. I do have other episodes on that if you're interested, but you know, that's something that is really frustrating for me is when, you know, people go and see specialists and they just tell them, oh yeah, just do this diet. Like it's no big deal, but it's actually a big deal and you don't want to do it on your own. So getting back to the empowerment piece, you know, when we think about our Western system and it's, we put our faith in our doctors and our specialists and our medical professionals. And when they can't help, you know, I, like I said, I often left the office crying and upset and feeling like, well, if no one can help me, then I guess I'm just sick for the rest of my life. And that promotes what's called learned helplessness. The, the idea that, you know, well, I guess I'm just stuck and I'm going to suffer forever. And that causes you to feel defeated and give up hope that you're ever going to feel healthy again. And that is really hard, um, a hard place to be in. And it's really hard on your mental health. And, you know, giving up hope in general is not going to allow you to live a healthy and happy life, right? You need to be able to do the things that you want to do in your life. So yes, doctors are important. But I, as I said, when it comes to chronic gut issues, unfortunately, there's not a lot at this time that they can offer um, other than ruling out other serious issues. So basically, Western medicine is not preventative. It's more just treating the disease once you already have the disease, right? So they can give you medications to manage symptoms, but they can't actually help you prevent or um, heal the root cause. And, off, and Western medicine also looks at the body as very separate systems. So I think slowly they're transitioning into viewing the body as more interconnected, but typically it's seen as, you know, your gut is separate from your brain, which is separate from your, you know, kidneys and your liver. And whereas when we take a look at the Eastern perspective, um, so let's go back to the empowerment piece. So we empower clients to have hope, right? We give them hope that you can heal because there is a reason you have these symptoms. It's not all in your head. 
the body is all connected. And there's a reason that, you know, the stress you're having is flaring up your symptoms or a surgery you had 10 years ago is impacting your symptoms today. And we help you to put those puzzle pieces together and really give you hope that you can heal. And when you have that hope, that hope itself and the resultant changes in your brain chemistry and your mindset have a healing power, right? You have to be able to have hope and be in a good mindset state in order to make the changes necessary, um, long-term changes in order to heal. And then, so Eastern medicine kind of looks at the body as more of an interconnected whole, the body and the mind. So all systems are interconnected, they affect one another, and the mind plays a big role in that as well. So it's more of a, both a preventative system, as well as treating and healing the root causes, rather than just giving you a Band-Aid supplement or prescription. Now, one of the other things that I wish I knew on my gut healing journey was that it's not all about your gut. For years and years, I focused solely on my gut and I would get super frustrated when I would have a flare up of symptoms. I'm thinking, I'm being so strict with my diet. I'm taking all the supplements. Why am I having this flare up? I had no idea at the time that my immune system, my stress levels, my lack of sleep and my insomnia, um, the surgeries I had had, and my mental health were all impacting my gut. If someone had explained that to me early on, I feel like it would have saved me a lot of suffering and frustration. Um, and, you know, you beat yourself up when you feel like, well, it must have been my fault. I must have eaten something that caused this symptom. It's my fault that I have this symptom. When sometimes we just get symptoms, sometimes we have flare-ups that are related to, for example, cyclical changes in hormones, or it's related to a stressful period of life you're going through. And sometimes it's out of our control. So if we recognize that, and you know, when we start to have this flare-up of symptoms, we can be more gentle and loving towards ourselves and not blame ourselves for doing something wrong when we know that sometimes these things are out of our control but at the same time when we have the knowledge to understand why these things are happening and what we can do to help manage those flare-ups life becomes more bearable and we just feel empowered and more able to handle that situation right because Obviously, if you're going through a stressful period that's flaring your symptoms, the last thing you need is to deal with a ton of symptoms on top of the stress you're dealing with. So if you have the knowledge to understand why your symptoms are flaring and what you can do about it, that takes a lot off your plate, right? So now you're feeling better physically and mentally, and you're better able to handle that stress. I also wish I knew the role that the stress was causing on my body and the role that my mindset and mental health was playing um, in first, like, first of all, the gut brain connection, right? So I had no idea when I was struggling with depression and anxiety for years, I thought I was doing everything right. I had tried counseling, I was taking medication, um, I was starting to exercise more. I was doing all the things that I was told would help me feel better. And it did a little bit for sure, but I ultimately still wasn't feeling myself. And I felt there was something missing, you know, especially when, you know, sometimes after um, having too much sugar or something like that, all of a sudden, or taking an Advil, for example, which causes a lot of inflammation in the gut, all of a sudden I would be really down the next day and I couldn't figure out why. 
And so I wish I had known that big, big connection between the gut and the brain. And that would have given me more empowerment to understand, look, you know, if I'm going to go ahead and eat all this sugar, or if I'm going to take an Advil, I have to understand that's going to make my mental health worse. So when you know those things, and you know what to expect, you can make more educated decisions. And I also wish I knew um, the role that mental health plays on your gut, for example. So if you're chronically stressed or feeling down, your brain is sending signals to your gut through your nervous system, um, including your vagus nerve, that things are not okay. And that's going to cause, you know, bloating or diarrhea or constipation, any number of symptoms, but it's going to cause gut symptoms. And so I often take a look at mental health and stress management as one of the initial pieces when I work with clients and members inside the Fix Your Gut membership. Um, because first of all, we know that the gut and the brain are directly connected. So like I just said, if you're having um, mental health and, and issues, that's going to be sending signals to the gut and causing symptoms. But also knowing that um, the more we heal the gut, the better we'll feel, knowing that it's totally normal to crave more indulgent foods that may not be good for your gut, such as sugar, when you're feeling down, and understanding why, right? You're craving those foods in an effort to boost your mood. And so when we understand that, and we can find other ways to boost our mood, which we can easily do with lifestyle changes, exercise, meditation, supplements, support, and when we're able to boost our mood that way, then we're not relying on food. And then that makes it much easier to eat the foods that are going to make our gut feel better. And it's kind of this vicious cycle, right? So if you're stuck in the cycle of I feel down, I need food to pick me up, then that food is making your gut worse. And then it's making your mental health worse. So we have to break that cycle by really honing in on what can we do to make, your, make you feel better on a mental health level. Um, and then the other thing I wish I knew is that, you know, chronic stress, as much as we don't want to accept this, because obviously we can't avoid stress, but I wish I knew the huge role that it played on digestion, that your body literally can't heal when it's stressed. Stress is inflammatory. It's sending um, inflammatory hormone signals um, to your gut and the rest of your body. It can even exacerbate chronic pain, headaches, insomnia stress shuts down digestion. It's basically your body in a survival state. It's doing all it's can and all the energy is focused on survival rather than rest, recovery, and healing. And we need to be in this rest and recovery or rest and digest parasympathetic relaxed nervous system state in order to heal. Obviously, we can't spend our whole lives in that relaxed state, but the more we can um, do and the practices that we can add to our life, like meditation, like yoga, um, like mindfulness, that can help us spend a little more time in that rest and digest state than in the sympathetic stress state, right? I also wish I knew that gut healing doesn't happen overnight. And this is a question that I get asked a lot by clients. And I don't want to scare them off, but at the same time, I want them to know the truth that, you know, we are so used to taking a medication from the doctor and having our, and feeling better almost instantly, right? Or maybe within a couple weeks max. 
But unfortunately, you know, especially if you've been struggling with gut issues for years and or you have other health issues, so maybe you have an autoimmune disease or you're struggling with your mental health um, or you have a very high stress lifestyle, it's going to take a while to heal your gut. I won't lie to people. It can take several months. It can take several years even, depending on how long you've been suffering and whether you have other factors in your life, such as other diseases that you have to manage. That And those illnesses, such as autoimmune conditions, can be impacting um, your gut health and kind of slowing your recovery. So really keeping people um, aware that it is a journey. It does take time. But if you have faith in your practitioner, if you have the support that you need, and you are given the empowerment by understanding what's going on with your body and the steps you need to take, it makes it that much more bearable, right? And also understanding that in your healing journey is not going to be linear. So say, for example, you know, you start your healing journey, you're feeling, you do feel sometimes crappier in the beginning. So sometimes things flare up. So say the first few weeks, you're not feeling great, but all of a sudden, the healing journey really kicks off and you're feeling amazing um, for maybe two months. And then something happens. So either, you know, you're stressed from work, you have something happen with a family member, whatever it is, something happens and it triggers a either a healing crisis where you feel worse or you plateau and your healing doesn't advance. These are things that are, are to be expected, but if you're not expecting them, it's extremely frustrating and a lot of people feel like giving up because they think, wow, I'm doing all this stuff. I was feeling so good. And now all of a sudden I'm back at square one. I feel like crap again. My symptoms are back. I thought I was doing so well. If you don't know, you know, to expect these healing uh, crises or these plateaus, you'd also start beating yourself up. So what did I do wrong? Maybe I wasn't, you know, I shouldn't have eaten that on the weekend or it's my fault. I didn't take my supplements at the right time or whatever it is you start blaming yourself and that is going to give you guilt and affect your mental health. And then that's gonna perpetuate you being stuck in that, that plateau of your healing journey. So I wish I knew um, to expect that it does take time, there will be setbacks and healing crises, but that when you have the support you need, it's that much easier to get through those tough times. Hey guys, welcome to episode 14 of the Mindful Vitality podcast. I'm here today with Natasha Elaine. She is a Reiki practitioner and yoga teacher. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me here. <laughs> yeah, so why don't you tell us a bit about uh, what you do as a Reiki practitioner? All right. Well, um, I've been recently sort of asking myself you know, as I get asked these sorts of questions or I open up a session with a new client and they ask me, like, what is it exactly that you do? Uh, I've been looking at sort of some of the more subtle differences between bioenergy and Reiki. Um, and some of you who are listening today might sort of hear a familiarity with bioenergy. It's uh, definitely a peaked area of interest over the past maybe five years, maybe even 10 years with physics and Eastern medicine and especially yoga being something that's sort of um, been inspiring the science realms and the more Eastern body focused realms to sort of come together. And there's a lot more research coming out now. 
about sort of the energy bodies. And I say yoga is sort of responsible for that because yoga was a big part of bringing in the the chakra system to more Mm -hmm. like the Western world. And so whether you're working with bioenergy, so bioenergy is energy that is created by living beings, plants, matter. Um, So we all have bioenergy within us. It also is um, emitted from us as well. And through, you know, physics, we've been able to actually, by using scientific practitioner models, measure our aura. So our own energy (laughs) realms. Yeah, Yeah. it is really cool. Um, And so, you know, I think most of us listening to this podcast can relate to um, walking into a space and feeling like an impact on you. Like, whoa, like this is beautiful or like whoa like this feels like stagnant and like someone needs to sweep yeah (laughs) or like you you know go into a really busy market and you can feel people's anxiety on you know kitchener market on saturday where people are rushing around you're like whoa i can feel this energetic impact on me in my body and so when we're sort of looking at like the aura it's like this energetic field that in physics we're sort of playing with this idea of like it being like the protection field it's like the first field that we communicate with things around us in. And so when we're working with like practitioners of bioenergy or Reiki, typically there's this verbiage or rhetoric around us sort of channeling mm-hmm. energy. And it's typically like channeling universal energy. And I kind of like the term universal energy because it's sort of unbiased. It's not... Um, being sort of weighed down with any sort of religious doctrine mm-hmm. or belief systems. Like in yoga, we talk about prana. That's, you know, what they're referring to when we talk about universal energy. In Eastern realms like Tai Chi, they talk about chi energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, there's there's so many names for basically the same sort of essence that we're all kind of talking about. Yeah, And so... As a Reiki practitioner, I'm working with a specific channeled energy. And so when I say channeled, it sort of it sort of means that it's not my energy. It's an energy that I am a channel for. I really, um, really liked the words hollow bone. I am a hollow bone for this energy to move through. Okay. Um, and the idea is that I'm channeling this quote unquote universal energy that is unbiased, unadulterated, and it is simply just, you know, resonating with the resonance and vibration of peace and love. And I know for some of you that can feel a little cheesy, but, um, you know, when we're specifically looking with different energetic centers in the body, for example, the heart chakra, the heart chakra is an amazing aspect and energetic placement in the body because it is the direct center. It's the heart of our body. It is the uh, ceiling of our lower level chakras. So where we move from being more primal and how we respond to things, um, where like sort of we feel like our our fight and flight system kind Mm -hmm. of controls how we react. We don't really get sometimes the space or seconds to respond, but that's what happens when we go into the heart center, which is also the root system of the higher chakras. Okay. And so what we come into in the heart is the ability to respond, the ability to be compassionate. Um, 
And yeah, it's, it's also the space where all of the other energetic centers cross and transition with each other. So it's a huge center for healing. Um, and so for me, you know, despite the lack of any scientific sort of evidence pointing to what exactly it is in the heart center, what exactly it is it means to heal, I really feel like the essence of love and peace, which typically come around balance and equanimity, I believe that those are the resonances that really heal mm. and create healing in the body. And with whether you're working with bioenergy or you're working with <clears throat> a specific directed energy, for example, Reiki, I believe that both of those energies, when used um, as a form of healing or therapy from a practitioner, the whole goal in directing those energies is to find balance. And like I said before, equanimity. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. interesting that you said about the, um, the heart chakra. And I just posted something recently about there's actually scientific proof that um, your mental and emotional health impacts your heart health. So with Heart Health Month this month, I was like, I want people to be aware that, I think at the, at what they were saying when it was Harvard Health or something was saying, if someone has major depression, it more than doubles their risk for heart disease. Yeah. So, but even if you don't have clinical major depression, like it's still increasing your risk, right? Even if you're just like um, stressed or anxious all the time or just mm -hmm. not, don't have a source to an outlet for your emotions of any kind and you're not processing them like that takes a toll on your heart health totally and yeah. like according to the energy that the heart center or the heart chakra holds like grief is one of the um one of the more prominent emotions that we tend to hold and experience in our heart is grief which mm -hmm. is a huge factor towards heart disease uh breast cancer um yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, it's really, I feel like we're living as practitioners now in a really exciting time because, you know, uh, which you talk a lot about on your blog, like the relationship, the dual relationship that we've now mm -hmm. discovered between gut health, brain, body health. It's not just the brain telling our body to be sad yep. or unwell. It's the belly being like, yo, we're unwell. We're not, we're not good. You yeah, know? exactly. And so, I mean, we've just discovered that it's a two-way channel. Pretty soon we're going to start discovering that. There's probably other channels and major mm -hmm. players on the field. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know, what I know is that what I do is real. Yeah. And like I see, I see miraculous things happen. Um, I feel incredible things as well as my students and my clients. And I'm not really uh, set on always being able to prove or disprove it because it's like, I see the results. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I, I really, I've really found uh, joy and a lot of sense and security in, in learning more about the chakra system because I feel like it is this really um, macro but also micro system and it's a good way of sort of understanding where the physical, emotional and energetic bodies meet and how they impact each other, mm -hmm. which I think is like, is huge right now for us in our society to start considering is, whoa, when I make shifts to what I'm eating, like all of a sudden I have all this physiological energy and I feel more inspired. I feel more energetic and yep. like, whoa, when I start going to therapy and like, you know, just unraveling this childhood stuff or just like a specific trauma that I had at a certain time in my life, all of a sudden mm -hmm. physical areas of my body start to unlock and it's like, I've got more space. And yeah, they say trauma real. is held in the body, like physically and, um, totally. people with chronic pain, like that's also connected to, um, emotional and mental health. 
issues. So if you have um, chronic mental health issues, especially if they go untreated for a number of years, that puts you at high risk slash you may end up just getting some kind of chronic pain in, in some form. So, Absolutely. yeah. And that's interesting too about the chakras. Is, do you want to tell us a bit about the yoga classes you've been offering that are based on the chakra system? Yeah, so I've been hosting um, a specialty sort of yoga class here in the clinic at the Golden Mean once a month. And yeah, sort of like the whole goal behind it was that I just wanted to, I wanted to inform people and give this like really sort of comfortable introduction to the whole chakra series. So working mm -hmm. with one chakra at a time, but also giving them a physical activity to do so that we can learn the content and some of the like symbolism or the themes that sort of show up in this specific area and then give them an actual like body. So when I say body, it's like physical body, emotional body, spiritual, energetic body, giving them a physical body to actually start to interact with those sorts of themes or characteristics that are embodied by that specific chakra. So we'll spend 15 to 20 minutes sort of talking about the specific chakras characteristics and I'll weave in um, typically a meditation or a visualization in there and get people mm -hmm. really embodied in that space and like really curious and introspective about what they're feeling physiologically and energetically and emotionally in those areas. Like where have they had an injury before? How do they feel right now in their physical structure? Mm -hmm. um, do they are they aware of carrying any emotions or trauma in that specific area? And then giving them an actual sequence to explore and play with that space through movements that are either directly related to the chakra or are related to areas that are connected to that area because we can't just like blast someone open in the heart mm -hmm. like when we're for those of you who are listening who are yogis it's like we can't just go right into a back bend that's like super intense yeah we need to support the entire system so that if we want to find opening in there then we've probably got to look at what's going on in the throat we've got to look at what's going on in the solar plexus and we've got to make sure that we're really rooted mm -hmm. so that we can actually sustain and like maintain an energetic flow that is being like massively increased with something like a heart opener yeah, and especially if someone is processing or dealing with some emotional issues or mental health issues, like you don't want to blow open their heart chakra because no. that can be like really upsetting. Not unless they're rooted and they've got some yeah. form of like support and security anatomically and also some like um, energetic containment as well. And mm -hmm. then on top of that emotional IQ tools to know how to support themselves or ask for the help they need. Yeah. So after we do all that physical and well, I mean, there's emotional and energetic processing in the whole sequence. Then, like, you know, by the time we finish, it's like I can feel everyone's bodies vibrating at a much higher magnitude. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that it changes their vibration. Some people's vibrations may alter and find more equanimity, but we're just giving off way more because we're way more connected. We've just spent 60 minutes focusing on our body, on our emotional internal health. And then I cocoon everybody up in comfortable blankets. They yeah. lie down into a longer shavasana and I play my crystal singing bowls, which I feel like is the perfect sort of closing um, with this gentle ethereal sort of approach to sound healing. Um, I'll do some song weaving where yeah. I might sing specific songs with words. I might just vocalize and play with how vowels and different, you know, consonants or vowels impact the energetic body because after doing that whole movement practice, like we're all so much more sensitive mm -hmm. to the impact of sound and 
and, and shapes of sound. Um, and then I'll typically do a visualization specifically related to to that chakra and, and really journey in. Yeah, I loved when I did, I can't remember which chakra it was, but I did one of the classes and yeah, by the end of it, I was just kind of floating and I <laughs> yes. just felt like extreme relaxation, but also not just physical, but like mental and emotional, like I was in a different place. Yeah, we yeah. spend so much time. We spend so much time in our minds in this society mm-hmm. because we really value intellectualism. We really value money and working really hard. And I feel like a lot of us can agree that we probably sacrifice our physical health yep. and our emotional health to pay the bills, to get by, to do the things that we need to do, mm-hmm. need, quote unquote. Right? Yeah. So I feel like this sort of practice, it's like, yeah, like you feel like you're floating and you're so aware of so many different things because you've just spent two hours or an hour and a half uniting all the different layers of mm-hmm. ourselves that aren't really separate. Yeah. Like we really are all, all connected. One. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always preaching about how everything in the body is connected as well as the emotional and mental health and everything. But I don't, I think a lot of people are still coming around to that idea that parts of the body are connected, let alone the physical and mental and emotional aspects, right? Like I think because Western um, medicine and Western culture in general, it's everything so segmented. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you got a stomachache, take this pill. You got a headache, take this pill. They don't talk about that it's actually connected. So it's very hard for a lot of people to wrap their minds around that. But I think it's slowly shifting. Well, and like, I don't know if I think that that's a bad thing. Like, mm. I think that like... I think that it's really helpful that we've got these medical doctors that are specializing in the things that they're really good at understanding and studying and um, finding solutions for. Yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, just like many other things, we are, we're constantly on this like pendulum swing to find balance. And I think that we are slowly starting to come back now from an intense pendulum swing over to the right, where it's like all science, all medical trust. And now we're sort of back swinging and we're realizing like, that's only the physical body. Like, yeah, you got gut problems. Let's talk about, you know, balancing out your gut with like medical in uh, medical intellectualism. Mm-hmm. But then like, what about the emotional body that's impacting that gut? Now mm-hmm. we're sort of going back and we're seeing the emergence of Eastern medicine, you know, yoga, energetics. Like, you know, when I started with Reiki almost four years ago, like, Almost nobody knew what Reiki was. Yeah. Now, like one in three people are like, oh yeah, Reiki, I totally know someone. I'm like, whoa, like, yeah. we are really emerging. And and so I think it's it's not bad. The medical system isn't bad. We just need to recognize as a people that it's not the only way to heal our bodies. Mm-hmm. And we need to find our naturopath. We need to find an energy body worker. Yeah. And then we need to turn inwards to ourselves and trust that we have innate knowledge and knowing about what is happening in our body and about what is not in harmony. Mm -hmm. Like I think most of us need to just start to trust that we know what's going on. We might not have the terms. We might not have the same medical knowledge to know how to fix it, but we could probably, everyone listening could probably sit with a nice tall spine and take a couple of deep breaths and close your eyes. And all of us can probably identify a couple spaces in our body that feel maybe darker, if we were talking about textures, maybe it feels mm. a little more disconnected. It feels like you're not as familiar with it. Like, I think we could all probably identify certain areas. Yeah. And uh, I really want to encourage my students to start trusting their own 
intuitive guidance. Yeah, that's so important. Especially, yeah. like I've had doctors tell me that, like I say, a blood test comes back and it's, oh, it's totally normal, you're fine, but I feel like I don't feel well. But then right. I go see a naturopath and she says, well, technically, like you're on the low end of normal or the high end of normal or something, right? right? So she would, when she looks at it, to her, that's not optimal and she can do something about that. So that's mm-hmm. where you're like working with multiple people because you, you can feel yourself that something's not right. Totally. And if one practitioner isn't helping you with that, then there's other options too. Yeah. Um, before I go into more yoga stuff, do you want to explain like exactly what happens in a Reiki session for people that aren't familiar with it and are kind of not sure what to expect? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I spent some time talking about like bioenergy and Reiki in general. Um, and I, yeah, I feel like it's, it's really important as I spend more time in sort of the, um, in the social area, psychology area of like social work and consent, you know, I think it's really important as a practitioner Mm -hmm. to recognize um, the power dynamic. Like, you know, my clients and students are coming in, they're trusting me. So I need to be really honest and upfront about what it is that's happening in my session. Mm -hmm. And definitely Reiki is flowing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But a lot of other stuff is happening too. And I've spent some time recently being really curious about, yeah, like what is it that is actually happening in my sessions? Um, Because I do work with um, people's bodies and people's bodies do tell me what's going on. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I will be drawn all of a sudden to someone's ankle and then it's like, whoa, this feels shadowy and like damp and heavy. Like, oh, there's an injury. There's been a trauma here. So it's like, I'm I'm definitely guided to different parts in the body and that Mm -hmm. is different than Reiki. Reiki may be flowing, but that is more so intuitive body work for me. And I feel like there are so many different like courses and approaches to this. Like there's like things that maybe coin terms that people might um, hear as familiar, like body talk. That's like a a copywritten term and and a training on it in itself. Um, Then people sometimes call themselves like bioenergy workers Mm -hmm. where they might be a Reiki practitioner or they might not be, but they're just simply working with that energy flow and they're following the lines of the body, maybe the meridian lines like traditional Chinese medicine, um, or maybe it's their own intuitive uh, connection to accessing people's bodies. So Mm -hmm. basically student will come in, we'll sit down, we'll chat a little bit. I normally ask them, like, what's going on in your life at work, at home, with your family or your friends? What's going on in your physical body? And then do you have an intention you want to set? Um, The intention is less about controlling how the session goes and more about just offering in sacred space, like Mm -hmm. asking my student's own body and their own innate connection to their spiritualism and to their own ability to heal by asking themselves, yeah, why am I here? What got me here? And what do I want to feel like when I get up up, off of this table? So we, I open up an incantation, um, a prayer or what, whatever you want to say, an introduction, a welcoming. And that's when I first start channeling Reiki. But then when I start turning to my student, now I'm connecting my energy, my psychic hands to their body. And I'm asking them to trust me. Mm -hmm. I'm asking their body to talk to me. And to guide me and to show me the areas that need to be prioritized, that are out of balance, that need more equanimity. Mm -hmm. These are the words that just continually keep coming up. Um, And so, yeah, I can can do this bio work, this Reiki work with hands floating. I can do it with hands on. I don't really have a preference, but I do 
believe that like hands-on healing and, and healing touch has a whole other aspect of healing to it beyond just energetics. Mm-hmm. So I do like to do hands-on if people are comfortable with that, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'll move anywhere from the top of the head all the way down to the toes. And um, yeah, there could be sweeping, there could be gentle pressing, gentle little manipulation or kneading with fingers or mm-hmm. knuckles or maybe an elbow to the quad if they're super tight. Yeah. And just sort of like um, working with acupressure points, uh, meridian lines, chakra centers, Um, We'll close up session and I normally like to leave some time for some just integration, whether that's the client on the table for a couple moments or minutes afterwards to find themselves back in the physical state or to sort of talk about any themes that I found. Um, Sometimes I'll share information or messages or ask questions throughout session. And sometimes I hear from my guides, be quiet. This person needs quiet. Yeah. And so I'll share anything that I feel like is important for their healing and for their journey afterwards. And I like to give homework so that there's something that this person can feel empowered to do for themselves outside Mm. of just the work that I co-facilitate with them. I want my students to inevitably leave sessions feeling more empowered, feeling like they have more tools and more connection to heal themselves. Yeah. You know, I feel like if you're a practitioner like myself, if you're a teacher, if you're a police officer, like there are certain careers that are constantly exchanging energy and have a higher stress demand. And those people may need to have monthly massages or biweekly Reiki sessions. Like mm-hmm. myself, I do Reiki. I get a Reiki session every week. Yeah. I get a massage every month because I need that. Um, whereas some people, they just need touch-ups and it's like, I see them quarterly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't certainly don't want people to feel like they have to rely on me to be able to find their homeostasis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So in terms of uh, yoga practice, so I know there's so many different types. Yes. I, I have heard of a couple of them. I don't know a ton about them. And I know you incorporate some restorative work, mm-hmm. right, into your sessions. Yep. And you also teach. So do you want to tell us a bit about what type of yoga you practice and teach? And Yeah. Use? Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like there are like like hundreds of yoga teachers. Well, hundreds of yoga teachers probably in just KW. Yeah. And so... It's kind of like, okay, if I'm going to be authentic for myself and my teaching, then I'm, I'm going to teach what I love. I'm going to teach what I'm really connected to and what speaks to my spirit. So I love Hatha Yoga. Hatha Yoga is the best of both worlds. It's got half active, half restorative. Um, I don't feel like it's super strict in like where that goes. So like if I want to start slow with a little bit of restorative stuff yeah. and then work up to more active and then finish with slow restorative, I feel like that's that's still acceptable for Hatha. Um, It's not as, the active portion isn't as intense as like a yang class, like a more flow-based class. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, I feel like I like Hatha classes because they're accessible. I can give, excuse me, lots of different modifications or variations so that anybody that's in that room, for the most part, um, can find themselves in that shape and find where their home base is in strength. Um, and then I recently just did a restorative yoga training with Queen Street Yoga, which was a really wonderful experience. Yeah. They split the training up into two weekends, which I loved because there was just time for me to integrate yeah. and, and let it all sort of sink in. Um, and I love, I love the restorative yoga because of um, 
because of what I've learned about the autonomic nervous system and just how much like <laughs> my relationship with movement. It's like, I'm a workhorse. I love to work hard. I came from like weightlifting and Olympic lifting and CrossFit to all of a sudden going into calisthenics and yoga. So yeah. like there's still a big part of me as my athlete that loves working hard. Yeah. And so the idea of like lying on blocks and like a big pillow bolster and just like stretching for an hour is like, oh, that's not my exercise. Yeah. But it's actually what I need. Like, especially when we're looking at the way that our society works, the way that we are so connected to technology and these technologies are constantly buzzing at a high frequency, which is, you know, setting up and peaking our nervous system, our fight and flight system up. Yeah. Then we're drugging ourselves with caffeine up, 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 <laughs> yep. up. You know, we're tired. We're looking at screens. We're driving. It's like we are so up. Mm -hmm. And I think that we all need a little more or a lot more down regulation into yes. the parasympathetic system, which is what uh, restorative yoga does. And so I love that. Yeah. Um, I am not doing just restorative classes right now because it requires a lot of bolsters and blocks. I am subbing at Queen Street Yoga. Mm -hmm. So that's exciting. Um, I would like to start getting a Reiki restorative class going. So, you know, Reiki, um, Reiki and bioenergetic work definitely impacts the nervous system. Uh, so, you know, in session, people's bellies are gurgling mm -hmm. because, the, you know, the parasympathetic <laughs> nervous system is responsible for regulating heart rate. So we'll get longer exhales, uh, temperature control. So some people like their whole temperature will drop. They might feel a little bit chilly. Mm -hmm. um, the belly gurgling for digestion. Um, and then like when we're in parasympathetic, that's when our body wants to sleep. That's when our body heals. So like, yeah, restorative yoga is super healing. Why not throw in Reiki? And, yeah. you know, I want to teach a small class of like eight people for like maybe like a two, two month program and everybody gets a little hands-on Reiki adjustment. And then I'm just flowing Reiki throughout the class. And, you know, we might move through only six postures in 60 minutes. But it's like when you get up off of that mm -hmm. mat, you feel like a whole new person. That sounds awesome. Yeah. 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 Oh, what were I going to say? Oh, yes. I know you love uh, reading just as much as I do. So yeah. what are you reading lately? What am I reading lately? Um, well, I'm sort of embedded in these uh, chakra books just because I've been like head in the books for, you know, each month's chakra class mm -hmm. here. Um, so I've been reading those and then I've been, yeah, I've been pulled to start reading a book called The Way of the Shaman. It's by Michael Harner, who started his work um, as a, oh goodness, um, anthropologist in like the 40s and 50s and mm -hmm. did some really amazing work down in Peru area and was adopted into many different tribes some of oh, which cool. had never been researched or found before um, and was really taken in and was taught the shaman ways and I love yeah I love his work specifically because he has studied so many different cultures of shamanism to find the roots of shamanism that doesn't just belong to one specific culture. It's like, it's like almost our birthright as human beings of energy, emotion, and physicality. It's like these, these ways that we can all as individuals access sacredness, uh, energetic awareness.
Look, I get it. I've been there myself. You leave the doctor's office and you end up crying because they just don't get it and they can't help you. They did all the tests. They even referred you to a specialist and all they told you was that you had IBS. Great. So now what are you supposed to do? Avoid your favorite foods for the rest of your life? It just feels like no one can help and it's so overwhelming. Maybe they even told you to try a low FODMAP diet, but you Googled it and it seems so complicated and restrictive. You're not alone and you can heal your gut. It just takes a different approach. If you want to learn more about how to kickstart your gut healing journey, join me inside the Fix Your Gut for Good membership. Inside the membership, you get empowered with the knowledge you need to actually heal the root causes of your gut issues. And we dive into whole body, whole person healing. The reason that you get stuck when you may have tried supplements or other diets before is that you're only focusing in on one aspect of healing when really there's so many other components that need to be addressed. It sounds complicated and lengthy, and it can be, but not if you have the guidance from a professional as well as the support of a community of friends that actually get it and are there for you 24-7. If this sounds like something that you need in your life, go to the link in the bio and check out the Fix Your Gut for Good landing page. And if you want more information, I'm always here to answer any questions you have. So yeah, I really, um, I really value sort of his perspectives on that because um, even in my own sort of teaching and my own personal exploration of where, like what kind of workshops do I want to create, I've been feeling really pulled to um, teaching people how to create sacred space for themselves, how to create this container wherever they are at home or in a forest yeah. or at work where uh, we can just be more mindful, where we can connect and access to our own innate connections within our own bodies mm. um, because I feel like when we are when I am more connected to my body and to my own intuition that's typically when I make more healthy holistic choices for myself yeah yeah and I just feel like I'm just vibrating at a much higher level and I'm and I'm more present and I'm like attracting the things that I really want mm -hmm. and when you talk about creating sacred space um I think you Talk about like altar, making a little altar in your home and stuff because mm -hmm. you have one of your own at home. And um, do you want to tell us a bit about like your morning and evening routines? Does that involve your, your sacred space at home? Uh, some days it does. Um, I mean, I definitely do have a routine and a ritual. Uh, it typically involves like cleaning and tidying my space, opening up a window, letting fresh air in, burning sage or palo santo, definitely a big part of it, which... Um, when we're burning these sacred herbs, that's definitely like a, um, a tool that I use to create a, a sensory container where it's like, mm -hmm. whoa, like I can feel the earthiness of this age or I can smell the impact of this container now. Yeah. And through classical conditioning, it's kind of just like, oh, when I smell those things, it's just like, whew, like yeah. my energy just kind of like aligns, like ground and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm here. Um, and then, yeah, I just have to put something good in my belly and have some water and uh, and then I just sort of sit down and ease my way into the the workday, which is typically creating content or doing research. Yeah, <laughs> never ends. Yeah, I know. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing all of that with us about your practice You're and about energy healing. Um, yeah. So if you want to find you to book an appointment or find you on social media, where can we find you? 
Yeah, so on Facebook and Instagram, I can be found at uh, Healing Hands of Fire. My website is healinghandsoffire.com, and my main clinic for Reiki is the Golden Bean. And then for teaching yoga, I teach at Moto Yoga, and I am, you'll probably see me at Queen Street Yoga taking classes and filling in uh, the occasional classes when they need coverage. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Awesome. That's it for me. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I hope you found it helpful. And make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new episodes. If you really love the show, be sure to share the episode on social or leave a rating and review in your podcast app. If you're a longtime listener, you know what's up. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Fix Your Gut podcast with more science-based, digestible strategies for root cause gut healing so you can get your life back and enjoy food again. Chat soon.